Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. drink, 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 drink. Welcome to Drinking Bros. Hope everybody is having a great Memorial Day weekend out there. Hope everybody's being safe. Uh, we got a great show tonight. Evan Hafer is actually a gigantic stand-up comedy fan. We had a guy on the show named John Stites, who was a comedian, and uh, him and Evan hit it off really, really well, and he was just like, man, I'd love to have the guy back on and chat with him personally, and we are like, dude, absolutely, full send. Uh, so this is part two of our John Stites interview, and uh, this is with Evan Hafer, and we're super stoked about that, almost as stoked about that as we are Matt Best book release. Thank you for my service. Is now on pre-sale on Amazon. Go out and get it. The hardbacks is what matter. That's what'll get us on the New York Times bestseller list. Check it out. Go to Amazon and buy the book. It's it's fucking hilarious. This is a long three years, and it's finally about to come out. So we're amped. Please uh, go out and pre-order a copy of Thank You for My Service. And as always, we got some sponsors who pay for this whole shit wagon to be on the air. First and foremost, you know them, you love them. Talking about BlackRifleCoffee.com. Black Rifle Coffee is a premium roast-to-order coffee. Made with the hands of veterans and then shipped out straight to you. You can get it in K-Cups, bags, whole beans, grounded beans. You name it, they got it. Sign up for their Coffee Club of the Month program. We oh, Look, I've had it for years, man. I love it. Uh, BlackRifleCoffee.com is the best coffee in the biz. And it's actually the number one e-commerce coffee company in the world currently. Type in the promo code DRINKINGBROS20 for 20% off at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Next up, we've got BoxOfAwesome.com. Yeah. Uh, Man, we've been using the shit out of these guys. Uh, We travel with them. Um, Man, you go to their their sites. It's BoxOfAwesome.com. And each month, as a dude, if you actually give a shit about your appearance and what your apartment looks like or your house or whatever, uh, this is cool shit for dudes, man. Um, I got a dop kit from there. I got a travel bag from there. Uh, I got fucking shakers i got uh stirs you name it uh bar equipment just cool shit for dudes man um and it's a surprise box 50 bucks a month boom shows up to your house and it's something practical uh something that'll make again your house look great or you look great as a person when you're out on the road traveling uh love box of awesome.com use the promo code drinking bros for 20 percent off your first box at box of awesome.com Love these guys, man. I love that travel bag. Um, I use that fucking thing everywhere, man. So super stoked that they are on the show. Next up, we've got ExpressVPN.com. ExpressVPN.com is back, forward slash drinking bros. Love ExpressVPN.com, forward slash drinking bros. Why? Because they protect all my shit. Um, Dude, cyber attacks are real, man. People are getting your shit. Uh, Dan Holloway talks about this company all the time. It's one of his faves. I didn't know much about that type of shit, man. I just figured, hey, man, I'm like everybody else. Like, my passwords get jacked. Uh, I got to change my shit or whatever. No big deal. Turns out, if you have an app running in the background of your computer, uh, your tablet, your iPhone, uh, no matter what, then your shit won't get hacked. I didn't know this. Um, Sign up for this company when they were a sponsor last year, and then they're back uh, this year. ExpressVPN.com forward slash drinking bros. Seven bucks a month. Runs in the back of your computer. You don't have to worry about uh, people hacking into your bank account 
or Amazon or any of that other shit. Um, I'm, look, I, I love these guys. I use them. When I didn't use them and I got a new computer, I got my shit jacked, dude. Uh, somebody tried to buy something off of Amazon from me. Um, crazy, man. Anyways, go to expressvpn.com forward slash drinking bros today and get on it. Three free months for free. And it's only seven bucks a month. So, you know, seven bucks a month, protect your, all of your, your computer equipment. It's worth it, dude. And three free months at expressvpn.com forward slash drinking bros. Lastly, we got buyraycon.com. That's buyraycon.com, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com. These are the headphones we're all using now, man. Love these things. Again, we tried to get a fucking deal with uh, iTunes, and uh, they said no. (laughs) They said no with the Beats by Dr. Dre. Beats by Dr. Dre said no. We reached out to some other headphone companies because, look, we're always wearing them in the gym and work out. And, dude, Snoop Dogg's company, I think he runs it with Ray J. Um, him and like all these guys are like, look, man, these are dope. These are affordable. Um, they're seventy bucks, but with with the promo code Drinking Bros, you get twenty percent off there. Um, and I think if you just go to this link directly, buyraycon.com forward slash Drinking Bros, boom, you automatically get the twenty percent off. So I don't think you'd have to type anything when you get out of there. But everybody's wearing these things, and it was like, oh shit. This is what these were. Like, I've seen people wear these everywhere. Now they're a sponsor on the show. Super stoked because we all use headphones, uh, obviously, in podcasting and every part of our day. Um, but we all go to the gym and shit, too, and run. Um, these are, they, they kind of just fit right in your ear. It's great. And they don't look like the cum shot fucking iPhone things, man. I hate those goddamn headphones. Uh, so now, buyraycon.com forward slash drinking bros is on the show with us. These are cheap, affordable Fucking amazing headphones that you can sweat through. These things will last you through fucking wars, man. Uh, big fans of these guys. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, thanks for reaching out after we try to do the, the Dr. Dre thing. We appreciate it. So go to buyraycon.com forward slash drinking bros. These things are awesome, man. And everybody's wearing these. Now let's hop into the show, shall we? Decided to this do. is round two. Yeah, this is round two. You know, it was why. too good for one. Hey, Come we didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop. I didn't either, no, dude. Man. I didn't want to stop either. I was like, "What the fuck?" That was man? like because we pussy, didn't even dude. we didn't even get into some uh, a couple things like let alone the rest of what's going right, to unfold man. here. We have we have a, we have we have some topics that we want to cover because when we when we left, like right after we left, we got into Operation basically Comedy. Operation Comedy because I was like. Hey, man, we didn't even get into this. What the fuck, man? So yeah. tell us what the hell is going on over there. Uh, ten years ago, I was a national sales manager for a healthcare IT company, um, making a lot of money, but wanted to put a bullet in my head. A lot when, of people, I think, suffer from that. Oh, dude. You know? and, and it was great in as much as it was 2008 and the crash happened, and I was one of those victims, man. We just woke up one day, no jo- just everything gone, and I was like, well, the advantage of that is from the rubble, you can just go, what have I always wanted to do? And the USO, I went down to see a USO show at Camp Atterbury in southern Indiana with a friend of mine that's a vet, and they were like, you can't come in. And I was like, but I'm a vet. And they said, well, we're only active duty and retirees, and I didn't know that. And I thought, well, no shit. I don't think, and no one I've talked to knows that. So I thought, well, there's 30 million right. vets and we're a bunch of savages. 
and we're getting no real comedy. I said, well, that's what I'm going to do is I didn't create a great idea. I just took an existing one, but made it R rated, provided a lot of alcohol and took the USO experience. And I thought gave vets what they really wanted, which is the Bill Burrs and the Ron Whites and the Jim Jeffries and the guys who, you know, really tell you what they get. They get the fucking D crew for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's why nobody really wanted military gigs are fucking some of the worst, man. They 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 weren't that attractive anymore because the risk reward to your brand, if you're a big star, is skewed heavily with risk. If you why? say something wrong, oh. if you say the wrong thing, well, travel's if you, brutal. Number tra- one, yep, they don't accommodate you. You know, they're not going to pamper you, which everybody gets. Nobody ever goes into a USO or AFE tour like totally I'm expecting first class or anything. You know, it's going to be brutal, but just give me my time. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Like. Like, and if you can't do that, if you want them to go for $120 a day, guys guys like these guys, for 120 bucks a day in coach, flying from here to Kuwait, and then Kuwait on a military aircraft into Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Syria, Africa, and then you're going to tell them, hey, um, you're going to need to make this, you know, radio good or, or, or whatever. It's kind of like... Or will they can't fuck is wrong, or they just can't even give them any because nobody knows what's off limits anymore. And now with cell phones and everything, it's just you know the risk of it. And to the military's credit, you know they, you know the other thing about comedy is unlike music, when comedy's bad and amateur, it's fucking the worst. Can't even listen to it. A whore can't listen to it. Got to turn away. It's like you think the office makes you. You you want to leave. Yeah, you feel horrible. It's not even like oh, this is a bad song. It's like ooh, and unlike you know, if a band's bombing with their new shit, they can jump into covers. That doesn't happen in comedy. So the military had also been scarred by every asshole local comic who goes to a base and just gets up and you know fuck 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 fuck. So what I also found was the military really wanted to cooperate with me. They were thrilled that somebody was going to take it off base because that took all the risk out of their hands. Got it. So the PAOs loved it. They were like, this is fucking great, man, because we want to support you and we want to give the troops some good entertainment. But, you know, we can't risk that. And I totally got it, man. And that was sort of the genesis for it, man. And it just it I started. I mean, to be perfectly frank, the first show I ever did, it's, it's not that hard. I was in sales and marketing forever. I got Bob and Tom is a very popular radio station in Indianapolis. I got their support. And I just went to a 2,000-seat theater and said, how much is it to rent it? And they said, it's five grand. I'm like, well, I'll give you 800 in cash. And, of course, they said yes. And right. I gave away 10,000 tickets and got some corporate sponsors. And the first show I ever did was a 2,000-seater, completely sold it out. And if I was like, well, if I can do this in the Midwest, I can fucking do this anywhere. Then I started picking right. up big corporate sponsors like Old National Bank and Humana. The problem was, just like the military, comedy is highly, highly toxic for you know risk-averse corporations. Yeah. So it just got to the point where even Humana, which is run by like the Humana military, they've got the Tricare contract. There are some VI, they're vets, and they were still like, man, we love you, but. And I was like, I get it. How how is this turned into this though? We're just letting people go. Yep. In this their was own... the next conversation that we had, which we wanted to dive into. Yep. Volunteer, absolutely. You're volunteering to go watch something, and all of a sudden, it's a risk. It's a risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. What the fuck? Yeah. And it's a it's 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 a huge fucking thing, man. And there's, I, you know, we had something recently. We we're talking. Ross and I were talking about the Louis C.K. thing. 
Like that was one that you know it was one thing to see regular assholes and social justice warriors turn on him, but then other comics started, specifically Judd Apatow. Fuck who, Judd Apatow. I will say this: he's he did a couple Operation Comedy shows. He was a nice guy. I never had any problem with him whatsoever. He's super anti-gun. I, and super. And it's not even that. I don't even man. My thing is First Amendment. Everything. There's a reason that motherfucker's number one. I mean, I like guns. I like this. I like that. But the First Amendment is the one. There's no discussion for me. There's a reason the Westboro Baptist assholes are allowed to do what they do. Is because the fucking First Amendment is off fucking limits. People can say what they fucking want to say, like it or not. You, you know, that's funny that you bring that up now is we haven't we haven't really seen much of the Westboro Baptist Church in about four or five years. Could you imagine if they 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 rolled out now the meltdown? I mean, they've been around yeah, a little bit, yeah. but not as much. Yeah, they, they much. went quiet. They went I, pretty quiet. I think the media is actively avoiding showing anything they do, to be honest. Really? Yeah. So that's how we it's just that's like, how we deaden it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Although, although it didn't it doesn't it would play into the narrative that everybody's divided out there. There's like four hundred assholes at this church. Yeah. yeah. It's but, but, not but even but that's that. the whole thing. They're taking four hundred guys. Yep. Just like this whole white supremacist bullshit where they're like they're the, all these fucking white supremacists. Yeah. Like, man, there's like 5,000 people in the United States. Like, most of the dudes that we know, most of the dudes that we know, like, and we used race as a means of comedy. And everybody was in that. It wasn't a means of, like, it wasn't humiliating anybody. It was like, the dude on your team is the dude on your team. He fucking beat your ass one day at something. Yep. And you did you beat his ass the next day, but nobody was like, Oh man, you're inferior. It's like, no, dude. Nobody believed any of that bullshit. No. People were making fun of stereotypes and using stereotypes and emphasizing that as a means of comedy. As a, as a means to escape a shitty situation. Yeah. And I it's mean, only like, funny well, because it's not true. And it is it's like not if you, true. If you call your buddy an asshole, you're not saying it because you actually think he's a piece of shit human being, I hope. Otherwise, you're a fucking idiot for right. having a friend like that. Right. right? But it's, it's the same concept. That's but, what, but the up, what, what was refreshing was to finally see something where... Because, you know, there's certain things where comics, they don't want to stand up to it. They, you know, they don't want the blowback. They don't want to deal with it, whatever. But finally, with this Apatow thing, where he started ripping Louis C.K. based on the type of joke he told. And... All the comics Which one were was just it? like, where it was like, how dare you? I mean, he went on Jim Norton. If you want to see, if you want to see, and if you're listening to this and you hate these motherfuckers who want to police the, the First Amendment, go watch on YouTube Jim Norton's episode where Judd Apatow thinks he's going to get some softball questions launched his way. From Jim Norton? Jim Norton is a fucking stand-up comic, Boston, <laughs> yeah. Bill Burr, Joe Rogan from <laughs> right. that school. He ripped him to shreds. He's Didn't like, wait he a minute, a bowl, what are you fuck, doing really? policing? What he's allowed to say, and Judd just dug in his heels and was like, "Well, you know, I've known Parkland survivors, and fucking Ap or, uh, Norton goes, I've known twenty five of my friends who've killed themselves. You think I just don't do suicide jokes? Like, right. what the fuck are you talking about?" And it was good to see finally oh the God. wagons get circled and go. I don't know. Look, this is the one thing you guys that we can't have people doing. I mean, Canada, which everyone here refers to as, you know, yes. you, you, Elysian Fields, and it's the greatest thing ever. They're bringing comics before their version of The Hague, before fucking human rights if you, courts. If you offend right. somebody, you you're getting offend, in trouble. Yeah, motherfuckers aren't going to tell jokes in Canada anymore. They were like, fuck that shit. Fuck that, man. It's, it's, that's what I find more horrifying than anything is the attack on the First Amendment and what people say. 
that's really what freaks me the fuck out. You want to have a discussion about guns or climate change, or we can have a nuanced discussion, but the First Amendment, man, that shit's, that shit's off limits for comics. That's all the fuck we got. Like, there's only two, like, that's it. Well, it's commentary, right? It's commentary about what's going on in society. And so when you're limiting and ma- forcing people to think about a situation and <clears throat> forcing them, and when I say forcing them, you're forcing them to think outside of their box. Yes. And that's really tough for people to do. Paradigms are really difficult for people to fucking, like, shift. They can't, actually. Mm-mm. I would say most people can't do that. No. So when they're locked into a narrative, they're locked into some type of social justice narrative where they're like, oh my God, anything out of this script is going to be, I'm going to go after this. That's what I have to do. They're actually programmed to do yeah, it. Yeah, and when you condition yourself like that, you also you, you start seeing those things maybe even in places where they aren't. Like yeah. how constellations, that's just the human imagination. Yeah. Like this is basically that shape. Oh, that's a fucking lion in the sky, bro. No, it's just our brains want to find patterns. And when you condition yourself like that, to have that kind of mindset where you're in a victim mentality all the time, that you're going to find it everywhere you fucking well, go. Well, you know, the left... life. The life left, is abrasive, l- man. The left and liberals or whatever term you want to use, you know, they used to be the defenders of artistic freedom because they had all the artists. They were the ones going... Yeah. You're allowed to have a rape scene in a movie. You're allowed to have tits on a statue. We don't have to cover up Michelangelo's dick. They like they used for throughout that's the millennia. What's crazy. That's what's about fucking it. crazy. We've completely no, flipped. completely flipped. We're seeing it though. This is fucking incredible. What yes. we're seeing is we're seeing a shift. We're seeing a shift from where we were ten years ago, where the liberal and or progressive and or democratic party was. And then you're shifting and you're like, I think that the majority of the people are actually what we would call the common sense middle. It's like, yes. we don't want to see this go down. And you've got these guys on the right. And really, I only look at political, like, literally, I look at political parties as far as more control and less control. I don't actually di- differentiate between Democrat or Republican. I, I look either. at it and I say, you want more control or you want less control? And then what types of controls do you want? That's really what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at anything other. So when you've got alt-right or alt-left, however you want to fucking program this, or left or right or however we want to articulate it, it's really about control. It's who is in control and what are they trying to control. Absolutely. And I think at my core, Mike, I think also, man, and I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm no genius, but I truly believe this in my heart of hearts is most of these warriors... These people that get behind these causes, they don't even really give a fuck. Like, it's one thing, like, okay, if a sexual uh, sexual assault survivor gets behind that, I'm 100% on board with that, 100%. But a lot of these people, and I'm not just, you know, singling that out, but whether it's cancer or whatever, they just want to feel some applause. Right. Their life is shit like every other lemming, as you use. I love that analogy. What they want to hear is someone go, yes, uh, me too. And then people love to go, but they're not honestly, even really that offended. Honestly, man. break this down a little bit more and, and let's look at like late 90s. Like, what was the left attacking? Music and video games. Yeah. Tipper the Clinton, Tipper the Clintons Gore. were fucking after Eminem and rap music. Well, it's Gore, Al Gore's wife. Yeah, but right. also, yeah, but the, come on, the right was too. I mean, when George, Everybody was yeah, after Everyone was. But, but we Everybody. Were, we were blaming. But, we were but, placing but let's blame. Even, let's even go back, True. though. Yeah. Two live crew. Yes. 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 And there you're going back. Two live crew was fucking, like, they were, they were literally brought out and fucking put on a... 
you know, they're they're getting ready to fucking tar and feather these dudes. Easy yeah, like NWA, Ice T, yes, NWA. When Ice T yeah. did Cop Killer, yeah. and oh, George H. W. Bush, yeah. the fucking president of the United States, and Ice T said in an interview years later, he was like, "Man, when the president of the United, I'm like gangster, whatever. When the president of the United States." puts your name in his mouth that's bad fucking news right. man <laughs> that's some scary shit and i was like but yeah dude. it was a bl- it was a blame placer like it's it's a, how can we shift the tension give a cause for everybody to fucking chatter about yeah and blame but now we're seeing it again it's it's a carbon copy of the same tactic but yeah. I, I i think a lot of us grew up in that generation too where i grew up i went to a two live crew concert middle of fucking idaho nowhere yeah I mean, I I would say that I turned because there was nothing well. like that before for us. No, it's almost like when we were talking about you know Hendrix versus Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, you can listen to you know uh, Eminem or whoever now, and we're 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 numb to it. But numb. when Two Live Crew came out, they were fucking insane. They were Jerry curls and fucking oh, yeah. bitches and fuck this and fuck that and nut. And their live shows in the heartland would shut shit down. Yeah, right. That was amazing, and we'd never seen nothing like that. Never. And- and honestly, there there was an element to this, like just rap in general, right? There's an element to it that, that was racist, and it was. It was like, hey, we don't we don't want anything that comes out of this section of the music industry to even be aired on the on the radio. The only one that was for it was Jibby Iovine, and look where he's at. Absolutely, <laughs> dude. Have you watched? Um, and they don't realize. Have they you don't watched? The H- this is the dude exactly. that Bruce him and Steve. him and Rick Rubin. <laughs> Him and Rick Rubin, absolutely, two fucking white Jews, <laughs> absolutely from New York, absolutely. You know, he he made Bruce Springsteen. He did Fleetwood Mac. He did. Uh, I mean, uh, have, you, have you have you watched the HBO documentary? Oh my God, yes. Blew have you seen my no, fucking mind. Dude. This guy is the greatest story of just ever. Yeah, he's I mean, nineteen you, years old, sweeping floors in a in a music studio in New York. He's a he's a young skinny Jewish kid. Like his, you know, his dad made him get a job. He he goes into this studio and is just there to fucking sweep the floors. But the owner of the studio is like super into like teaching anybody that will listen about how to do this shit. Yeah. So he teaches Jimmy every day for the first like what two or three two, months. Three, yep. Like 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 of just. Here's how to work the board. Here's how to do. Here's how to do everything. You know, this is how you engineer a track. I want you to. He would pull him in and be like, "I want you to watch me produce this guy," and he, he was like, "Just watch how, what I'm telling him to fix and do and everything like that." And this 19 year old kid is just recording all this like carbon copy. And then uh, this day comes where he gets the, the owner of the studio gets like what strep throat or something. He's like, "No, it was the like, it, it was the lead engineer." Got yeah, sick. He got and, sick. And if you're, and and if you're young and you're listening to this, this is the story of fucking life. Be ready for America. And, absolutely. And what and happened? The owner came in. And he's yep. like, "Hey, you Jimmy, I, I need you to run the board for this new this new guy coming in coming in here that's going to cut a record." So Jimmy runs a board for a whole week while this guy's sick, kills it, and, and produces. Like he copies everything he saw this guy do as as just seeing like, hey. Maybe retake this, do this this way. He's just doing exactly what he saw. And that that dude that came in was Bruce Springsteen. That was his first album. Born to fucking run, dude. So Born to run gets released, goes number one, butt fuck wild. And the first phone 
call comes back in from Fleetwood Mac. She goes, the only person I want to work with is the one that was on Bruce's album. And then you know oh. what he so says? this is number two. And, what he, and he has to put it on hold because he says, I'm sorry, I'm working with this dude named Tom Petty. <laughs> and, he, and he's the one and Jimmy Iovine was the brainchild this documentary shows it all Damn the Torpedoes which blew Tom Petty into the stratosphere Refugee The Waiting all those songs Jimmy Iovine so fast forward Jimmy Iovine creates Interscope Records yeah this is his oh my like, god this is and, fucking incredible and, 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 and NWA comes in and he's like you know what something's here something's here and, but he tells who is it Dre or T? He tells he tells him, I think you guys need to start when it, when is it when he tells him, you know, to start your own death row or everything like oh, that? Oh, right. Yeah. Like, well, right off the after about ten minutes of hanging out where there were literally there was Dre, Easy E, and Ice Cube. And you had Shook Knight and, and Shook Knight and idiots and scary dudes with Mac tens, and he's like, Listen, um, yeah, about the guys who actually think this is real, right. that's not gonna make any money, it's gonna get us all killed. <laughs> get, get rid of fucking guys, those dudes yeah, and just I need rid you guys of those to, like, guys. Do this fucking music. Yep. So we're we're gonna we're gonna fucking do the yep. clip then he notes starts, of this. Boom! Gwen Stefani walks into Jimmy's office. Yep. Shows him a tape, and he's like, "Ah, sorry, you just don't have it." And she gets mad. And he was like, "But here's what I'll do. I'm gonna buy you a hundred thousand dollars worth of recording equipment for your garage, and I want you and your band." No doubt to work on your single that you think is gonna be it. And when you have it, come back here. So he buys her all the shit, sends an engineer over to teach them how to use it, and you're charged with writing a single. She comes back six months later. She's like, I think I got it. Slaps it on his desk. He listens. He goes, No, keep working. She gets fucking pissed, goes out. Four months later, comes back in and she has, Don't speak. And he goes, Now you're ready. And this is a great, and this Holy is also shit. a fantastic segue into what we were already talking about. Iveen was a guy, as he's a First Amendment type dude, and so you know, oh, everybody hated everyone him hated him because when he was with NWA. NWA. He started, but now the best part about this whole thing: not only did he find fucking Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor, oh, that's and, the other thing. So fucking Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails and, and Marilyn Trent Manson Reznor were turned down by Manson. everyone. The first two signings of Interscope when he spins off Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. Well, he locks Marilyn. He locks and, and, and he, no, Trent he locks Reznor Nails and Trent Trent Reznor in goes the house in the house that Marilyn Monroe got killed in. The same house. Says, you're gonna fucking help him write a record. He said yep. that's Trent Reznor and said help Marilyn or Marilyn Manson fucking create his his whole thing. What so the then, fuck? So fast forward even more. Yeah. Jimmy Iovine is walking on the beach uh, in <laughs> Malibu and he looks up and Dr. Dre is on the porch with a bunch of fucking Nike shoes everywhere and he's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I don't know. Nike wants me to do a shoe." He goes, "No." Put all those in the trash. I'll be back tomorrow. You've never set foot on a basketball court in your life, motherfucker. You're a DJ. He comes back the next day with 400 pairs of headphones from all over the world. And he goes, you're going to do headphones, Dre. And him and, and Jimmy IV and Dre created beats. <laughs> Got it. I know who oh, he is and now. As a, and as a, as, as a little side note, after that... Uh, a weird looking Jewish chick from Juilliard School of Arts walks into his office and he goes, I couldn't understand what the fuck she was saying. She was talking about Andy Warhol and this and that. And I was so confused. I just signed her Lady Gaga. 
<laughs> this is the best documentary. It's the best ever, documentary. It's fucking mind blowing. I've got to watch it. Uh, uh, the Undeniables or some yeah, shit yeah. like that. It's, it's like the, the, the documentary about yeah. Dre and Jimmy Iv. Yeah, okay. it's, it's fucking mind blowing. Can't remember what it's called. And Eminem. Eminem is a huge part of it because. Dre oh, Eminem brought, blew him through the fucking. Well, Dre brought Eminem to Jimmy Iovine, and yep. he tells the story like, uh, so that whole intro scene uh, in what was it EP where he's going into the you remember the first Eminem record where he goes in oh, yeah. to the record label and the guy is like I don't know I think it's a little much like yeah. this was all. Constructed by Jimmy Iovine. Like, M, shut the door. Yeah. It would have been better had you brought me nothing at all. How in the fuck? The la- record label told me to go fuck myself. I don't like to get told by Columbia to go fuck myself. That first yeah. EP, dude. Oh, I, love that. I love that all, track. It's so good because it's like, holy fuck. And then the, at the end of the documentary, they tell you, you know, Beats sold for four plus billion dollars. It's because Dre and Jimmy Iovine came up with the first streaming music, and yep. Apple Music is now it. That's what right. they bought. And yeah, at yeah. the very right. end, when they interview Trent Reznor, did you notice yeah. what his title is? The president of Apple Music. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how much no one they, knew that. They don't even they don't Trent even address Reznor. it. The Trent Reznor, they put CEO of Apple Music. I'm like, that's how much <laughs> fucking dick he was swinging, Jimmy Iovine. Holy he brought shit. The, 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 the largest company that's ever existed in the history of ever. But Trent is one of the only people. He wrote an entire album and released it as public fucking property. Yep. He said, you can use this in any of your films, commercials, whatever you want. Here it is. The number of soundtracks that guy's done, fucking like True Detective. That guy's fucking, he's insanely True fucking Detective talented. Did. He did. Him and T-Bone wow. Burnett. Like, mm. he's been on some of the soundtrack, like... the that guy that's my one i would love to meet is jimmy Iovine because he he's also so cool like he's so fucking cool straight up it doesn't matter who you are if you're a waitress or another executive or whatever he's just like oh hey lovely and there's this whole thing (laughs) that that, tiny little ball at the height of fleetwood max popularity stevie nicks who used to fuck him back in the day which comes out they used to bang that's how much game this dude had he was the (laughs) the skinny weird looking dude had enough game. He was fucking Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks comes and says, I need a solo project. And he brings Tom Petty in. And now he's negotiating this. And literally, this is they're, they're showing Tom Petty, and he goes, and she wanted me to write a song. And I was like, I don't know. And Jimmy said, come on, man. have a, Give her a song or two. Which wound up both to be number one hits. The whole fucking deal. And she goes, I want to join your band. And fucking Tom, Tom Petty looks at the camera and goes, but there's no girls in the Heartbreakers. <laughs> I was like, what a great fucking code line. But there's no girls in the Heartbreakers. I don't know. Yeah, dude. It's such a good story. It's amazing. Like that, that, that would be my number one for lunch code to get Jimmy Iovine to fucking yeah. tell that story. Yeah. Because it is amazing. And that documentary is beautifully put together. Okay. So we got to get the name for this. I'm going to look it up now. Hang on. Yeah. The defiant, defiant ones. ones. That's it. There yeah. we go. It's pretty um, pretty unbelievable, man. Yeah, and yeah you know, because you go in thinking it's just about Eminem and Dr. Dre, and you, I mean, going in, I never knew the name Jimmy Iovine, and then they oh, started connecting all these. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, I knew him because I'm a Tom Petty, huge Tom Petty fan. And you know that whole thing about where they spent a year almost on. And he's so humble, so, so fucking humble. humble. Like when he's telling the story, he's like sitting in his, he's sitting in his backyard, like and he's just like, oh, you know. And then, uh, 
you know, Tom Petty was like, maybe, maybe we should do a record. He's like, I, all right, that sounds cool. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's, it's for him being a guy who likes non-traditional shit, man. It's kind of like what you and I were talking about. Like I did a, I did an operation comedy show. I got contacted about two years ago by a college, a, a huge college out here. I won't say which one. And they were like, listen, will you do a show for us and we'll give the money to a military charity of your choice? And I was like, I don't see how we could lose. Right. But in my brain, I was like, fuck, dude, nobody's doing college shows anymore. Nobody. Nobody? Really? Dayton Cook. No, no, that's like the most offended place on earth. Dude, you talk about risk-reward. You're talking about walking in. Like, when, when Ross, on our last podcast, was talking about how, like, that was really a rough spot you went into. No, it wasn't. It was a bunch of rowdy, drunk people already laughing and having a good time. Right. Rough is going into a bunch of fucking entitled rich college kids. And that's not shit. But I've never believed that. I think the media grabs whatever extreme of either side. That's what's good. I've never believed that young people who fuck and smoke dope and drink don't want to laugh. I just never believed that. Do they still do that, though? In oh, colleges? Yeah. Yes. No, yes, yes. I, I think it's died down, Man, it's, actually. It, no, because there's been really some complaints. Lame. It seems really fucking There's a lot of complaints from the female side saying... Guys are too scared to even talk to them anymore. Oh, you know what, though, man? That's great. You know what I love about what's... Anyway, I'll get back that, to that. That's opportunity. That's it is. what I would say. Yeah, dude, that's opportunity. Dude, the, yeah, reason, the reason I date no. so many younger women is not because I go looking for them with a bag of Hershey Kiss in my pocket. It's because these fucking idiots don't know how to make girls laugh and talk to them anymore. Back in the day before social media said not to, you know, you know, man, back in my day, get off my lawn. But you had to know how to walk up to a girl, get her attention, make yeah. her laugh, and ultimately get her to fuck you. These guys don't know how to do that. They want a pen pal. They want to do this shit. So when you've talked to a girl for three minutes, you're just like, listen, this is a, I'm really enjoying this conversation. You want to go grab a glass of wine? They literally look at you like you like. Wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, we, can get some, we can just get some appetizers. You're going to pay? Yeah, we. You asked me out to dinner. You asked me to my face. So anyway, real quick. So you're 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 like next level to most of these fucking women right now. You're asking them on a date to their face while I'm making which, them laugh. Though <clears throat> that's a super interesting scenario because most people are meeting on the internet now, right? Right. And 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 look, and there's a lot of women. That are into that and get that, but I'm telling sure. you, man, like there's still a section of women that just want a regular ass dude. But but that but that's like most people. I mean, we, we've got a couple few billion years of evolution. How you interact and how you pick up women, like there you go. You're going to be ahead of the game doing that. Like, yeah. How many women do you go through on a weekly basis? <laughs> Not Consensually. Well, Monthly. That's on an average, couple. Two, yeah, I got one guy. Sure, I made the sound guy. Mainly app driven. Uh yeah, but mostly because of the schedule. Like we're not out in public. Really yeah, yeah, much. I understand that. But how many women have you picked up face to face? Face to oh, plenty in the last More, six months. Well, in the last six months, uh, one, one. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't wow. even tell you the last time I did that. I don't think I, I. I don't even remember. Before I was married, like that was it, man. Yeah, like that was it. Like I mean, there's like a few things going out, you know, match and a few of these things, but not like there is to not like there is today. But no, you I'd walk real, into it. You can get real uh, specific now. But even six years ago, before before I met my wife, I'd walk into some place and just be like, "Hey, how's it going? What's up?" Mm-hmm. And strike up a conversation. And that was six years, seven years ago. Yeah, where that was even unorthodox back then. Yeah, where people were like, chicks, chicks were like, "Whoa, blown away by it!" Like, you're like the first person that's really talked to me. Yeah, so I can't. I can't 
I could I could punch way above my weight way all above. the fucking time. And you know, man, that was one of the great things about the military, man, is at 18 years old, everything, my entire support network that I'd used to get laid, my friends, my, familiar, my familiarity, the school, all that was gone. And I was suddenly, you know, an in, you know, a free agent. And I had to... I had to learn. I had to, you know, I was in, I was going to Austin, Texas, with a fake ID at eighteen, and you gotta get laid. I mean, I'm not saying you force yourself on nobody, but it's you're motivated to. You're motivated. I'm going to be funny, and I'm going to yeah. go up to you, and I'm going to ask yeah. you to dance. And now, if you see me on a dance floor, call the FBI because I've been drugged and fucking somebody's holding me against my will. But back then, I, I you just you, that was the that was the drive, man. Like in the Serengeti, when you see the fucking, you know. I'm go- the crocodiles are going where the water is. Right. Like that's that's where the fucking action is, and that's what I feel like these younger dudes are missing. And that's why, I, I mean, I got no wife, no kids. I live a very simple lifestyle, and I'm not really into old man middle age shit. So I like to date 25, 26 year olds. What's old man middle age shit? You know, man, like, well, we got to pick up my kid, and you know, my kid's kid, and you know, I've got this, and well, nobody's you know, into that, right? Yeah, I mean, Nobody's I mean, I chose you know, comedy because I, I like lawns. The- you know, they like mowing lawns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, chopping wood. Yeah, yeah none of yeah. Maybe chopping picking out Pergo. You know, chopping Put, wood's fun. Putting up wood. Chopping wood in is your fucking house. great, dude. Yeah, yeah it is. Chopping wood is Swinging fucking great. Into it, fucking so best. underrated. I wood, it's fucking legit. I, I like the big. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the lock splitter. Yeah. 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 Lock splitter. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Let me ask you just a regular question. We're all about the same age. Wasn't there a point? When you were a young man, where your dad took you out with an axe and explained to you how to cut a fucking... like Yes, I, but let me also add this. There was a point when I was 18 years old that my girlfriend could not go out with me that night until a whole fucking pile of fire, firewood was split, and I fucking did it. <laughs> Pussy's a, Pussy's a hell of a motivating factor. Fucking sat and watched. Right. <laughs> and I, I just feel like a lot of a lot of young kids have never experienced that. Yeah, man. Days. I mean, and again, well, I, I grew up as a logger's son, so like my dad was where? a professional in northern Idaho. Oh shit! <clears throat> Damn. So my dad was like a professional wood guy. Like when he taught me how to cut a fucking tree down, it was with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, this is what you're gonna do. And oh, by the way, if you if you fuck this up, it's going to kill you. So I remember that sticking in my brain relatively yeah. well. And I also remember my first chores were involving wood. Like everything was involving chopping, splitting, stacking, carrying. Yep. It was all manual labor. Everything I did. So I remember that very prominently. Just understanding what a cord of wood is is probably a skill yeah, yeah. that yeah, doesn't man. exist Still, anymore. I, I register that, and that's been like, Back to uh, five, I would imagine. Yeah. And my Four? dad know how much a cord. And my stacks. dad, my dad yeah. was white collar. He was a lawyer, but he knew that we came from coal miners, and he didn't want his son to be a pussy. So even though he knew right. I'd never swing an axe in my life, it still was like, yo, you a Renaissance man needs to yeah. understand how to do certain. You need to learn how to fire a weapon. You should learn how to ride a horse. You should learn how to speak another language. You need to learn what a right, right cross is like. There's just certain, you know. We never. I'm sad. We never got into that with Matt. I want you to give a little bit of your Spanish set to Evan, because that's really fucking impressive. <laughs> it is. It, I just thought it was impressive. And I told him this earlier. I was like, "Man, I'm not trying to be a dick, but you came out of education essentially, and I wouldn't have. I would not have pinned that 
on you whatsoever. If you would have walked into this room cold, sat on the couch for an hour, not talked about anything, I would have been like, you didn't come out of education. There's no fucking way. There's no way. But you did. Where were you teaching? Um, Indiana University, man. Right. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I mean, I'll get, I mean, I'll, I'll try to give you the quick version, but Indiana University's had a program since the 60s called the IU Honors Program. And in the 60s, there was France, Germany, Spain, Italy, and Mexico. So my old man, who also went to Indiana University, did that program in 1964 for French in Strasbourg. So fast forward in 1992, I'm a senior or junior in high, or 1991, I'm a junior in high school. They're still doing the same program. So I take the test much like I did the D-Lab. I was an average student. I didn't really give a fuck that much, but the linguistic DNA was obviously in me. So I aced all the tests and I got to go to Mexico to study. And within eight days of being in Mexico, I was completely fluent in the language. It was fucking insanity. It was like you took a duck... Yeah, dude. <laughs> it was it was fucking insanity, man. Like fluent, fluent. Now, also, because I got in a lot of trouble, I, I wasn't hanging out with all the American kids speaking English. I was going out to bars. I was getting laid. I was getting in trouble. I was hanging out with Mexicans and learning fucking Spanish. Came back, majored in language, graduated with a 3.9 GPA, went to work for Eli Lilly, which is the largest one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world, Prozac out of Indianapolis working in their national business department and fucking hated it, dude. I wound up in a cubicle. I thought it was going to be like, I'm going to be James Bond. I'm going to be yeah. an international on jets and wearing tuxedos. Right. And, nah, motherfucker, you are in a cubicle. When I had lunch with a, my, one of my professors and he was like, you know, we had an emergency cancellation due to a professor. You want to teach? And I was just like, are you serious? I was like, I don't have a master's. And he goes, we all talked about it already. You have a 4.0 in your... Because I had a 4.0 within my area of concentration, which was Spanish and, you know, linguistics. So they said, as long as you're working on a master's, we can okay it. And then once I got into it, man, I loved it because the lowest level is the, the night advanced classes because that's the one that the dregs and the working people take. But right. I loved it because I taught only twice a week, but it was for three and a half hours. Instead of three times a week for an hour and a half, it was twice a week for three and a half hours. This is totally what led to stand-up. Um, so I had three hours to just lecture, and because it was a night class, I never got audited. Right. Nobody was fucking with me. I just had free reign. And also, no one had ever had a young dude incorporate the Pacers and the Colts, and you know, I was basically doing stand-up. I mean, because I, I just could lecture. I could create my own lesson plans. It was fucking amazing. And I really got into it. And then I went to Spain because part of the MAT program at IU is consecutive summers in Salamanca, Spain. You have to complete two of those. And after the first one, I was like, I just love this, man. It was a great fit. The problem was I was fucking a lot of my students, a lot of them. I wound up marrying one of my students. Strong. Uh, Not really, but man, how do you not do that? In Spain? You don't. Anywhere. I'm talking when you're you're a 29-year-old dude, which I was. That that was my dream. That yes. was my dream. My Van dream, Halen, dude. My dream <laughs> was I just I wanted to bang, teach philosophy and bang undergrads and get fucked up for the you, rest of my life. So you that wanted to be dream. Indiana Jones? No, philosophy. But like, what do you think? What just you, philosophy, not no. I just wanted to teach philosophy because it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's just bullshit. Yeah. So you, you can just like, justify your own existence. Yeah, it's it's like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> absolutely. Blah, 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 that's blah. why, dude. I think therefore. And then, I am. and then you're like, hey, let's get <laughs> fucked up in my hot tub a little yeah. later. 
I think you get. I think you deserve an A. Of all the, uh, that was it. Of all the social sciences, philosophy is probably the one that's most closely related to hallucinogens. So I like it. I, I that still could, to that, this that's day, a whole other episode. Still to this man. day, listen to philosophy fucking podcasts. Actually, you know Timothy Leary, the guy who brought LSD to the United States. I know him well. He that's he. It. As a Grateful Dead fan, I know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're a deadhead. Me I'm too. A, well, you know, I'm a huge deadhead. Yeah. The same. The song "Come Together." See, man, this is why you don't <laughs> yeah. fucking judge people. Yeah. If you would have yeah. put a gun to my head and been like, "What's the last band this dude listens yeah. to?" I would have been like, "Same." Not the I dead. love the dead, dude. Yeah. And he ran for governor of California too. Yeah, Timothy he did. Leary did. Yeah, he did. And that song "Come Together" by the Beatles. That's what it's about. It was supposed to be his campaign song. A lot of people don't know. Get that. Get the anyway, fuck out! You're a deadhead. No shit. Huge deadhead. Yeah, yeah, man. Same. Yeah. That's when I that's when I came around on John Mayer. I thought he was this poppy. John Mayer's fucking great, man. John Mayer is a so, fucking shredder. So on last the- like he's a he's he is a fucking hardcore musician. Yes. So Jackie Green, do you know who he is? Yes. So Jackie Green is a friend of mine. I was on the middle fork of the salmon last how did you, year. How'd you meet him? Uh my rafting company took him on a rafting trip and he and I became friends. And so like my buddy and I were like He's like, hey man, we're we're gonna have a bunch of musicians on this trip. Are you cool with it? I was like, well, who are they? He's like, well, Jackie Green. I'm like, fucking a, done. Oh yeah. So Jackie is an awesome dude. Like, I mean, just he's a, he's an epic musician. He's an incredible person. Uh, but talk about a fucking really cool trip. Just a week of like dead covers and Jackie and a bunch of stuff in the middle of the mountain. Oh my god. So. Super fucking cool. Actually, I think he's out here. No, he's in San Fran. But either way, like, yeah, I'm huge dead. I just who, saw... Who were you talking about? Timothy Leary. Yeah. So he was a professor at Harvard. CIA. And he started getting shipments. Uh, so one of his students yeah. came back with LSD and a, yeah. like a full-on mason jar completely laced with sugar. It's sugar laced with LSD. Like, who knows what the potency of that shit was. But he started taking it himself, giving it to his students. Right. And then he kind of went off the deep end a Check little time. bit, uh, as one might when you take acid every day. I've as, done it. As one might. Yeah. I've done yeah. that trip he, for three years. He, he made these like uh, uh, guided meditation tapes. Yeah. Oh, my God. It is the craziest shit I've ever heard in my tune life. Tune in, drop out, man. Yeah, tune in, yeah. drop out. It's fucking crazy. Did you see the Netflix documentary? I think it's called The Sunshine Boys, about the two it. original dudes who came up with acid. Pre Timothy Leary, the Sunshine Boys. I, I mean, think it's called Albert, really? Al- Albert Hoffman. Can you look that up? Can you look up um, LSD documentary on Netflix? It blew my fucking mind. The real story, like the 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 the, the shit we have been fed. Do what? Sunshine. Sunshine Makers. Yeah, blew my fucking mind, dude. Unbelievable. Basically, it was the two guys who wanted no profit, who were literally like, "We're going to alter the conscience of the yeah. entire planet." So they had enough LSD, they were going to dump it in the water to get the entire world to trip. Anyway, just if, if you get a chance to watch it, it's fucking unbelievable. Oh, this is about agency scientists using LSD. Right. So there's, there's awesome. a couple of big stories. One of them, they took six scientists, put them in a, they brought them in for a summit meeting, like a meeting of the minds. Yeah. They're, they're in what would essentially be an Airbnb now. And didn't tell and them. They dosed them all up, didn't tell them. One guy jumped out and killed yeah, himself. Yeah, of course. And then his yeah. son yeah. out of the window. Yeah, his yeah. son. His and that was son another documentary. There's another documentary, Netflix. Yeah, yeah I watched special. I, yeah, yeah, that's like ten years ago. I think yeah. that one yeah. came out. That was forever. So yeah. did you when when were you doing the dirty acid when you were watching the dead like I was? Never, never, never done acid a day in my life. Not a second. What what attracted you to them originally? 
Uh, the funny thing is, is so I grew up in the middle of Idaho, logger dad, ultra conservative, uh, no impact whatsoever. And, uh, meaning like there's no way for me to have, I guess, a, a, a an outlet or even an inlet to the dead. And, um, <clears throat> I was listening to some fucking album sometime and I think it was like, it was probably like Touch of Grey or something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was. was like, In the dark. These guys are great, man. Yeah. And uh, so I was turned on to him super early, became a fan. And then I was always like, not not the token deadhead. There's no way because there's not really a, there's not really a token deadhead. But even within special forces and the entire community, there's not a lot of fucking deadheads. When you you're meet the them. first dude. <laughs> So when you meet I've them, you're met. like, oh, I'm a fucking huge deadhead. So I was I was going to their last concert, 95, before he was... Before August. He was, yes. Yeah. August of 95. 95. Yeah. I had tickets to the show, and I was like, ah, man, I'll, I'll just catch the next one. I was, I was actually going to go Fuck. on this other trip. Same thing I did with Tom dead. Petty at the Hollywood Bowl. I had free so died. tickets. Died. Like, eh. Fuck. All right. And, uh, but I mean, I have I have like original vinyl i have i have a box of dead shows like taped dead shows i have over i have over 300 dead shows on tape oh shit on tape. not like fucking like on tape and if box. you're listening if you're listening to this and you think the dead's a bunch of hippie pussy jam bandy motherfuckers amazing. you're out of your mind They're they amazing. are because i i love real country i come from yeah. kentucky coal miners so people think when I shit on country and my act, which I do, I'm shitting on that bro country, Merle, fucking Hank Sr., all that. I mean, I could get into a million different. It's unfucking believably good music. And the dead at their core are bluegrass country. They're bluegrass. Bluegrass, dude. They're real. bluegrass, psychedelic. And when we, when we really look break, break it down, the thing that I love about them is is they made a new genre of music. They yep. forged this entire way, which... You said earlier, they're bridge makers and they're the people that cross it, right? They bridge crossers. They yeah. fucking made something bridge that makers didn't for exist. Sure. They didn't exist. They sold out live show after live show after live show. They were the most sold out and might be the still the same or the or the most sold out live show musicians in the history. And did it and like Metallica, two of my favorite bands. Yeah, right, I was going to say the first, the first Metallica. But, but what they have in common, the first number one hit, The Dead started in '67. Their first number one hit was Touch of Grey. Touch of Grey. They were selling Touch out arenas with no radio play. Exactly. Metallica until fucking one had never had a single radio song. They were selling out arenas with no radio play pre-internet. Jesus. One was arenas. their first arena. They, they had 74 for albums. It, how was it? People were fucking waiting were in line for 72 hours. Word shit. of mouth, man. It's the same yeah. reason we all know that Mikey died from fucking eating Pop Rocks and Coke. It was just back then. Word of mouth. Shit got out, man. 72 hours. That like, is People would be waiting easy. to try to get into a fucking stadium and buy scalped tickets yep like camped out trying to fucking and what they the both stadium. have in common man is no matter what you heard on the album when you went to see him live man i saw metal i've been listening to metallica since i was 12 years old weightlifting metallica have been a staple of my life since i was a kid i saw him at the fucking rose bowl if you have a chance to see any band 
in a hundred. I've never seen a hundred thousand seat arena show. I mean, the Rose Bowls, that's a hundred thousand people. Fucking Metallica, absolutely slaughtered. And what I love about them is from the day they came out until now, they have been the hardest, nastiest. So when you drop $500 on a Metallica ticket, it's like Tool. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know when you leave, you're not going to think at all about what you spent. You're just going to leave going, that was fucking insane. That was one of the things they said. It was like, hey, we're we're a working band. Yeah. We're, we're not cutting fucking albums. We're not cutting corners. We're a working band. We tour. We fucking we put on shows, and we put on shows for people that yep. enjoy our music. Totally. That's what we do. Nothing's the same. It's like... And I, I really like that impromptu style where it's like, hey, you're just going to fucking play and you go off. And by the, by the way, yeah, they were fucking whacked out on whatever, whatever they were doing. Like combination of hallucinogenics and fucking uppers, downers, all of it, right? But the shit was different. Every <laughs> every fucking, fucking time. time, depending on the dose Jerry had taken, because exactly. the rest of the band was tight. But the problem was with Jerry, you Jerry's never knew which Jerry up. you were getting. Yeah, and it wasn't like you know, uh, you know, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, where maybe a bottle of Jack got busted on someone's right. head, but no, the no. show was good. He it's might like, Jerry might be drooling, yeah, falling off the stool, up. like yeah, yeah that's great. Quaaludes don't fuck great. around, man. Yeah, they don't fuck around. <laughs> that's true, dude. Yeah. That's a fact. That There's is a, a reason they took a, well, them away. Yeah. yeah. Did we well, just stall out right there? Not at all. Not at all. Not I mean, at all I'm dude, trying to think. Good, all right. Man. All right. So we just finished with music. I want to go back to fucking comics. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get to tell you what my who my favorite comic is. I Dane love, Cook. No. Dane Cook. I, hands like down Cook. is Jared's favorite. Comic. No. No. Eddie Izzard. Hands oh, down. Eddie oh, Izzard. Oh shit! All the fucking yes. Way. Again, I should not judge you, brother. Again, we all doing stand up in other languages. Eddie Izzard, yeah, he does it French. He does the whole thing in French. He does stand up in languages he doesn't speak. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm fluent in Spanish. It wasn't that difficult. He does a set in French. He doesn't speak French fluently. No. That's he, fucking mind-blowing. If you've never learned another he language... He dressed to kill in French. Dressed to kill in French, and it's not even his fucking secondary That's language. That's amazing. Mind-blowing. But the thing was with him is you listen to Circle or fucking... Or, circus, and then... Yep. Cir- it was Circus, Circle. Circus, Circle, and then... And then, and then Dressed to Kill. Dude... You're. It, you feel like you just got done with a fucking two-hour history les- lecture, and yeah. you're like, "Wait, wait, yeah, did all that stuff really happen?" Yeah, his. <laughs> I mean, he he came up during an age when everything was observational comedy. Yeah. Everything Seinfeld was stereotypical, racial, he, sexual. Yeah, he he wasn't much of a topical guy. He was like talking about you know. The Victorian area in England and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, the Church of and England. He's up, and he's and up there. Druids. Wearing, yeah. Right. In drag. In yeah. drag. 20 years ago. In an arena. Yeah. <laughs> Not a theater. And he says a he goes, fucking arena. I'm, I'm an executive transvestite. <laughs> exactly. This is, this is, I'm not a gay man. <laughs> what, is, or what was he called? It? You know, running, jumping, climbing trees, putting on makeup when you get up there. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is what I love about... Um, Weirdo transvestites. Executive transvestite. <laughs> and this is what I love about stand up being the ultimate, you know, people who are attracted to that stay true to it. Um, when I started, so I started producing the first ever all Spanish shows at the comedy store. It was called Comedia Toda Madre. It was a total risk and it absolutely blew up in my face. You have to do this for him. I want him to see this because you did it for us. What, like, so- an op- like my opening joke? Yes, yes. 
Uh, me llamo John, soy de Indiana, soy güero, obviamente, pero de todas modas, si no me equivoco, soy el único güero en los Estados Unidos que puede hacer stand-up completamente en español, pero si no me equivoco, es un gran ventaja porque para mí yo puedo trabajar en shows como este. Yo sé lo que están pensando ustedes ahora mismo, este pinche gringo robándole trabajos a los comediantes hispanos. Simón, un gringo robándole trabajos a un comediante hispanos. En la época de puto Trump es la más grande ironía que nada. <laughs> so you're gonna have to translate the joke for me now. I mean, well, is it? Does it even translate? No, and you know no. what's great is it's rare you get He's to talk to somebody who understands. A white guy is walking up and doing the fucking show yeah. in Spanish. Yeah. It's great. So they're, that's my opener, and they're literally just sitting there like, wait, what? And what I would do is I'd walk out, and I always went third. So there were other Latino comics, and I'd walk out, and I'd go, hey, guys, how you doing? And there would be nothing. And right. I'd see Jaws open, and I'd go, um, so before I get started, I just want to tell you guys, um, tranquilos culeros, no soy migra, which is relax, motherfuckers, I ain't immigration. And it would fucking <laughs> destroy like a fucking Kill. atom bomb. Because I'd already learned that as, you know, and if, if, if Ross were still here, man, one of the advantages, you know, when I did black rooms all those years on the road, that shit works to your advantage. Because when you, the minute you walk out, the you level of the expectation no, the level of expectation bottoms the fuck out. They're just like, right. what the fuck? And when you not only speak Spanish, so I started talking. When I what I was able to pull was I started doing jokes about what it's like to learn Spanish as a white guy. So all that shit in my masters and everything that I thought would never, I'd never use again. All of a sudden, it became relevant again because the jokes. The relatability of them, because they've all, as immigrants, tried to teach somebody how to fuck. Exactly. And so it started, and I was like, fuck this, actually. But actually, I got sidetracked. But so a friend of mine, this Mexican comic, calls me up and he goes, hey, you got to see this dude named Fabrizio Capano. And I'm like, never heard of him. He's like, can we put him on your show? I'm like, dude, I've never even heard, who, I've never even heard of him. He goes, just trust me, he's funny. I go to this dude's Instagram. He's got 485,000 followers and just filmed a Netflix special in a fucking soccer arena in Chile. We're drinking tonight on Drinking oh, Bros. Fuck. Did that come through? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I've been drinking. Fun. I've been drinking with these guys a lot. This Budweiser is going down great. Fabrizio is a fucking rock star in South America. He's one of the only comedians down there. He's killing. And when I see him, he's at the Ha Ha Cafe in front of fucking three people heckling him because his accent's weird. Seriously? Because this guy loves comedy so much. And this is when I fell in love with him, and he's still my boy. If you, if you, it wouldn't matter if you looked him up. You wouldn't understand shit he's saying. But his jokes are great <laughs> in English. So I asked him, I go, dude, you're fuck. I know who you are. You're rich already. You're a monster. What are you doing here? He's like, because I, I, want, I want people to like me all over and be funny all over. Eating his dick in front of three assholes at the Ha Ha Cafe in North Hollywood. Because he want he, just that that grind, that 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 purity of and that's what they always say, man. If you won the lottery, would you ever do any job? And if I won a ten trillion dollars tomorrow, I'd still do stand up. And you see it every day with these guys. Fabrizio Capano. Netflix special come out filmed in a soccer arena. Kevin Hart style shit. Still comes back to LA because he he cares that much. He's like, I wanna I want to do this, man. I want to, and that's that's what's unbelievable about stand up, dude. I like uh, like for people that haven't ever, for people that haven't seen you before, 
Like I think where I was introduced was your dad, the bit on your dad that. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know which one I'm talking about, yeah. right? Which was super fucking funny. It's fucking, it's fucking hilarious. I wrote a paper on that in so, Spanish about the word fuck. Seriously? Absolutely. So, yeah. That yeah. comes from a paper I wrote in graduate school. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that makes way more sense. So I, so I, I looked it up on YouTube. Do I sound cunty like when that. I say that? Do I sound like in no, graduate man, school? No, no, I wrote no, a paper. no, no. You were a fucking GI dude. We're all happy. Yeah, somebody, right. dude. Somebody yeah. went to fucking college out of all of hey, us. Hey, good on you. Dan went to college. I did it like 18 degrees, and I've never used any of them for Asshole. Yeah. I had neither till this stand-up thing with Spanish, but I was like, thank fucking God I didn't waste four years of my life. <laughs> but you've, you've obviously done a ton of fucking stand-up. Yes. And we're... Are you going? Like, what is it when I when I say like everybody wants something they want to do? Yeah, right. So when you look down the road and you're like, man, what do I want to do? What is it that you want to do? Well, so here's the thing, man: is stage time is incredibly hard to get in L.A. and New York. It's almost impossible. So what I always tell new comics, and this is not new advice, but learn, stay in your little community as long as you can, because you'll be a big fish in a small pond. Don't come out to L.A. and then think you're going to learn how to be a comic. You can get better here for sure, but don't think, hey, I'm going to come out here and learn. I was 35 years old, man, and I went to one open mic, stood in line for three hours, and had some fucking dude who was four feet tall call me an asshole, and I was like, I, I, I'm going to kill somebody, man. I, can't, I, I, don't have the te- I don't have the temperament for this. So I just started doing my own thing. I started Operation Comedy. I started producing theaters, and then I... Wound up showcasing for this guy who books all the improvs and funny bones. And he was just like, is one dude out of Columbus, Ohio named Dave Stroop. And I got a showcase for him. Got lucky as fuck and murdered. And he was just like, dude, I've been looking for a white boy who can kill black rooms you're going to destroy. So went on the road for five years with, you know, some of the biggest black headliners in the world. That's where I learned how to be a stand-up. But at the same time, I was working on production with Operation Comedy Shows. I had corporate sponsors. I had theaters. I would bring in bigger acts. So to be perfectly frank, man, I've always been wild as fuck. I cannot be controlled. I hate authority. Yeah, but you're also maintaining all these roles of promoter, producer, everything. You've been doing this all by yourself. Yeah, like like HBO special, like the Apollo. like, Like, that's what I'm asking, man. Uh... I mean, obviously, you know, like, I want... Wait, when are you going to look into it and go like, got it, fucking A. You never get it never? in stand-up, got and it. that's what's great about it. It's so... You're, you're never... You know, I, I was hanging out the other night with a songwriter, very successful female songwriter, and I asked her, I go, so like, when you write a song, it, it just... You vomited it out, and you're just done with it? And she was like, yep. And I go, you never go back and rethink it? And she's like, nope. And I, she's like, don't you? And I'm like, it's the opposite for us. Like, we spend every, like, obsessing over, e- like, every, how do I, does the go there? Just does it? Little tweaks and everything. Const, like, constant. even when you get your special, you're like, you're already writing your next special. Yeah. All right, I can And the fix minute this. you record your special, it's I mean, like if, a known thing. The, taking Eddie Izzard, for example, you go from circus to circle to dress to kill. Generally, it's the same act. Yep. But he just fucking mastered that motherfucker. Yeah. It's, and it's not, there's literally times where, man, you've had a joke for three years on the road, and then one day it just comes to you like a thunderbolt, and you're like, I wonder if I put red and house at the beginning, at the end, right? and it changes. Like it's, I know that sounds cliche, but it's right. 
so obviously I won an hour Netflix special, but the Operation Comedy thing I found is really, really something different and special. And to be honest with you, man, I did it a lot of it so I could decide, you know. So but when I moved to L.A., I had a lot of people who'd already worked with me in the Midwest that were like, this guy's on the up and up. When he says he's going to do some shit, it's actually going to happen. And that that I was able to jump a ton of the lines just by having people going, you know, he did it in Chicago, he did it in Nashville, he did it in Louisville, come out here. Are there yeah. other veteran comedies that you're comedians that you've seen out there right now? Um, I mean, not really, man. And I think a lot of, as we well know, a lot of times veterans think just because they're a veteran, someone should hand them some shit and they slack on their their actual product, which has to be undeniable. Correct. I don't give a fuck what you did in Iraq. Amen. Or wherever. So like Donnell Rawlings. Donnell Rawlings, dude. I do a show every year at the Naval Academy. And uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. So things have been going well, and I've been bringing them the right guys, and they've been killing. But we got a PAO who is, you know, a little younger in social media, you know, tied in. He goes, I want a big name. I got a budget. And I go, you sure? Because I'll bring in a big name, but they're going to say some shit. Because you ain't going to pay them real money. Real money means $600,000 because you're not buying them out for a Saturday. You're buying them out for that whole weekend. So that means basically you're buying them out for the five shows they would have done. And he was like, we got a budget. And I'm like, for real? I got real money? He's like, yes. And they can say whatever they want. He's like, pretty much. But we want a vet. I can sell that to the command. You know Donnell Rawlings, Ashley Larry from the Chappelle Show? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's hilarious. <laughs> fucking hilarious. Bro. His stand-up is savage as fuck, Dog, yeah. I took, listen, I'm telling you right now, I don't give a fuck what you've seen of Donnell Rawlings on TV or whatever. He is, like, when you go to the comedy store, there's certain people that when you see him on a lineup, it's fascinating to watch the interplay of, like, I've done a show where Jim Jeffries called me up and he was like, hey, I'm going to do a drop-in. And I put him on the list. And I watched another huge name comic walk in. Hey, what's up? Fucking, yeah. Look at the list, see where he was, and literally just shrink. Seriously. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to come to me to go, I need a different spot. Because there's no fucking way I'm following this dude. Like, he's, he's going to... He's looking at me and what he says is like, why would you put him there? I'm like, because he goes up wherever the fuck he wants because he's working for free. That's how this works. These guys drop in. They do whatever the fuck they want. That's just how the fuck it works, man. Um, Are you still active in the comedy store? Do you do a ton of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Guys? I still go there. I still perform. But um, I, you know, I just didn't have the relationships that you need to be able to regularly produce shows. Like Sam Tripoli took my place, and he should have, man. He's so much better than I am because he grew up with these dudes. He's known them forever. He can call Joe Rogan up. Hey man, you popping in on a Tuesday? Like, like he's like I didn't have that. I'm still an outsider. Um, but then when I went to the American Legion in Hollywood, it was perfect timing because they had just put six million into that place and needed people to do big time six seven hundred seaters. And I had live nation. I yeah, but so you're getting a fucking good repertoire on your own. I mean, you had Bob Saget, Jeff Ross, yes, fucking. Yeah, Bill Burr. Those Bill guys Burr. are fucking great, yeah. man. Ron That's White. a pretty fucking good lineup, John. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, man. It's a fucking um, huge lineup. Yeah, because like, what these guys, what these guys want is just not to be fucked around, man. They just want a place. Is Jeff is Ross he, was great. Jeff Ross, no, Jeff Ross is fucking incredible, man. Jeff Ross is incredible, man. Is incredible fucking dude. incredible. I love that guy, Bob man. Saget is fucking incredible. And man. all Jeff Ross does up there is fucking make fun of the whole crowd. Dude, Yeah. this is a story I was going to go into earlier about why I don't, um, why I just... I don't think Seinfeld's that great. 
There's a club in. Herm- there's a. Thank hey, you very I'm, much. By the way, I'm with you because compared to all these other fucking names that we've thrown out, right, dude. He he's not even he like if you're picking if you're picking a lineup and I'm not taking anything away from him because he's a, he, he developed an incredible TV show and it was a, it was amazing. Larry sitcom. David developed that motherfucker, but, but with him, right? Yes. So for sure, like, positive accolades all around. But if you're stacking guys that you're like, I'm going to stack the bench and I'm I've got a ten totally. hour fucking road trip. And these are the guys that I'm going to listen to. He's not even on the roster, dude. No, and there's a, not even on the no, roster. To me, uh, Seinfeld's like Nickelback kind of. It's like very cookie cutter stuff. Well, some think, of his stuff is fucking good, man. I his, think some of his more like so there, I, some of his weirder shit is super funny to me because yeah. I like the way his brain works. And right, stuff. a lot of people do. A lot yeah. of people love him, man. And I, I mean, a lot. And and to be clear, I know a lot of like A list comics I've worked with that have worked with him, they're like, that guy's a fucking genius. So this could very much be like family guy. I'm probably the issue. But there's a club in Hermosa Beach that Jay Leno is the part owner of. Right. The Hermosa Comedy and Magic. Okay? It's the only club in the entire world where they have a two-drink maximum. Shut the fuck up. Because they don't want people to be drunk. They don't want them heckling. So where... What? Oh yeah, that's why you'll lame, never see dude. you'll never see Jerry Seinfeld, Ray Romano. Those motherfuckers don't go to the store. Here's my Ron White story. I was going to tell you last time. Yeah, please. Monday nights at the Improv, they do Mo Better Mondays, run by D. Ray Davis. It's the longest running urban show in all of Hollywood. D. Ray kills this motherfucker. He gets a a a list black dudes front to back. It's unapolog- unapologetic black show. The first time I meet Ron White, this fucking Escalade pulls up. Door opens. He's got this beautiful fucking Latin woman. He gets out in a tuxedo. No shit. He's got a fucking blunt and a bottle of scotch. Stumbles out, and the lady who runs the improv walks up, and she immediately sees him, and she goes, oh, Ronnie, honey, come here for a second. And I just had me stand there because I was producing the early show. And she goes, oh, Ronnie, it's, it's Black Knight. And Ron goes, I don't give a fuck. And she goes, yeah, it's, it's all black comedians. He goes, I don't give a fuck. I want to go up. This is the kind of shit I respect. This is a real nightclub comic. Got up and fucking murdered. And he had this bit about duck pussy taco. Duck, baby duck pussy lip tacos, which was on his last special, which is fucking out there, bro. Even if you're white and a Ron White fan, you're like, what is he talking about? It took a full two or three minutes, man, to warm these brothers up. But once he got going, he fucking slaughtered. Jerry Seinfeld will never do that. He only goes to the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach because it's safe. He's not going to get heckled. It's his. It's. And I'll be honest, man. Like I just, to me, part of being a a, a comedian, you take that risk. You got to take that risk, man. You got to go to other rooms. You got to be. I'll tell you right you now. Build those calluses. Who is it right now? Like, if you were to say, "Hey," and we asked you who your favorite comics are, but when you're like. Man, I respect what this guy fucking brings to the table. Outside of Ron, outside of Ron White, uh, Bill Burr, who else are you looking at? You're like, dude, Jim Jeffries, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did that college show. I did. Um, I put out some feelers and got some huge names that came back early. Right, right off the bat, they were like, "We'll do it," and I was like, "It's a college show." They're like, "I don't give a fuck." I said, I'll try to front load it with vets, but it's a college show, man. They're gonna come. He's like, "Great," and this is why I don't really buy into the whole. You know, young people are offended by everything. So Jeffries jumps on last minute. And he's like, I'll do it, man. 
and he's like, but I need to go here. I didn't, and I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't, this was like four years ago. I didn't really know his comedy that well. Bro, when I say he, t- he hit everything from guns to retards to abortion to rape to slavery. All the good things. Just, all the good things. But, <laughs> all but, of them. But, Fuck yeah. But he did it in a such a smart, cerebral way. Elegant. Elegant. That literally standing O. We're talking 20 minutes into set. He closes with, an, with a bit that a year later, once he worked it out, was on his Netflix special about autism where he takes his son in to get fucking diagnosed for autism, and the doc at the end is like, you're the one with autism? And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even remotely doing it justice. It's a whole... Dude, it's like a 15-minute bit. It's, it's fucking brilliant, and I rarely use that word. That guy standing up from a college crowd, 30-minute set, and now there's 45 minutes left of comedy. Everyone in that room knew the show was done. At that point, the minute he walked off stage, even though there were three more A-list, everyone was just like, this dude just fucking, he just face-fucked everybody. <laughs> um, let's see. In terms of guys that are really, you know, guys you may not have heard of, guys I love is you yeah. know Chris Porter. I don't know if you ever heard of Chris Porter. Yep. Chris Porter was, I think he either won or was runner-up on Last Comic Standing when it was really a show. And he was right. one of the first people who ever had a Netflix special called Ugly and Angry. Chris Porter's fucking, like, I piss myself when I listen to him. Uh, Yeah, he's that funny. Uh, Ian Bagg is another dude, Canadian cat. You talk about a guy that you may not have heard of, when he's on the the list, he's the number one person I get asked by other A-list dudes to shuffle when they see his name on the list because nobody wants to follow that dude. His crowd work is... Second to fucking none, dude. He just gets up when he's when if he's not on the road for a paid show, he's bringing thirty minutes of just what boom. What are you doing? What do you do? What's your job? You can't follow that, man. You can't follow that with prep material. Like he's a fucking monster. Uh, Ali Wong is somebody. I don't know if you guys know who she mm-hmm. is. Who really, really, man, has a ton of respect. Um, yeah, those are some of the people I watch and really, really like, man. Who are some comedians you miss? Like, I miss Zach Galifianakis' stand-up because it was just absolutely, in, absolute insanity the whole time. Yeah, and obviously, it was a good who, piano bit with just, just yeah. What was that garlic onion thing that he did? Purple onion, live at the purple, purple onion. Yeah, live yeah, at the yeah, purple, purple onion. onion. Yeah. yeah, it's a great show. I mean, I know, I know. But there's a lot of guys who just like they got whatever other measure of success and quit doing stand-up. You know. And I truly believe this, man. The great stand-ups, and I don't think there's ever been an, an exception in the history of stand-up. That's really all they do. You can't also be an actor and a podcaster and a you know this and that. The greats, that's all the fuck they do. Now they may do ancillary acting jobs, but at the end of the day, that's something just to drive traffic for them as stand-ups. I mean, when like like to me, Dave Attell. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you're I talking about a motherfucker, he grinds so it out good. too. Like, if you ask me right now, hey man, you got here's twenty bucks. Like, and Bill Burr is one of the greatest. I've just seen him a lot recently because I've been working yeah. with him. Fucking David Tell is out of this. Like he, I mean, like for us, it's almost like watching Hendrix, man. Like you're like, who the fuck thinks of that shit? That guy is unfucking believable. Um, David Cross, yeah, David Cross. He's he's back to doing stand up now. David Cross, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's funny. He just I'll tell you, man. Shit. I mean, I, and I, 
one of the greatest stand-up specials I've ever seen, and it's in top five, and it surprises people when I say it. And I've never watched his show. Fucking Daniel Tosh. Yeah, he's yeah. Oh, God. It's incredible. Dude, it was like people pleaser. OG. OG offense. You talk about a motherfucker bringing up everything and killing. His 9-11 bit. Yeah, it's great. You talk about smart. It's you talk the about jet with, ski. the jet like, like ski. Dude, fucking that jet. fucking dude is unbelievably funny. Like, I think he's almost Eminem-esque in terms no, of. Is. Yeah. But, there's, but he disappeared from the stage. Dis- once he got yeah, the show. well, he's in syndication now. He doesn't ever have well, to work again, man. Shit. You know, but also, man, like, also, I did a show with him at the improv, and um, he's a really, and I don't mean weird in a bad way, he's a really introverted guy. Yeah. Like, you can tell he's fundamentally uncomfortable with the crush, the fame, the people. Like, it's just not his bag, man. And there's certain people you meet and. Like, most of the comics you meet are just, that's who they are, you know? And it's not an act or whatever, but he's, he's like, he was sort of, you know... And by the way, when he got up, he fucking destroyed. Um, but, like, when people say there's nothing you can laugh at, I go, go back and listen to the 9-11 bit and how far he drills down on that bit to be sure that everyone is offended. Yeah. Right. He, tell, he actually tells a joke <laughs> that his... Like the way he pro- the way he writes his jokes is he wants to start with something pretty ubiquitous that yeah, everybody and he, understands. And yeah, he waits until he chisels the audience. Dude, he does. Even the last person Listen, is like, "What the?" And fuck I'm going to butcher it. About? And I'm going to butcher it. In fairness, because this guy is literally like a maestro. But it's basically in his opener. He's like, "So was it too late to talk about the good that came from 9/11?" And you hear the crowd just like, and he goes, "Like, how about we now know that September is nine? Like that didn't used to be a thing. Like, and he goes, he goes through this whole bit, and and is literally, yeah. right, and this whole thing about the the, the drop, the, having to drop off a bitch you fucked at the airport before nine eleven. You had to walk up, and it was this whole thing, and now you can just kick him the fuck out. It's like, thanks, Bin Laden. Hope you're enjoying that. And he goes through this whole thing, and at the end he goes, and again I'm skipping over everything. I'm butchering it. I'm not doing it justice. But then he goes. Yeah, all I'm saying is that's worth, you know, that's worth a tower. Not two, not two. And then he goes, as everyone's finally booing him and turning on him, he goes, well, it doesn't matter which tower. Which tower? Does it matter? It did to my uncle. And you, <laughs> and you hear the crowd finally the last efforts of booing, and he stops, he takes a drink, he goes, now everyone's offended. We can move on. And I was just like, God damn, that's good. I that like, is shit is great. That's why I like Anthony Jeselnik. Oh, he's yeah. He's got this yeah. one quote. Yes. This one quote, Jeselnik's and it fucking. pops up in a lot of his shows. He's He'll tell the most horrible joke you've ever heard in your life, and then he'll say, well, if you didn't know where you were, you sure as shit know now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's just like that guy. I've never heard anyone go as far as him, I don't think. Successfully as a fucking blue-eyed white man. Well, now These that he's days. highlighted it, I think Tosh and Eddie Izzard both do that fucking audience chiseling. Yeah. Like, because you remember, like, Eddie's specials, it's always like, oh, six of you? All right, now we're on track. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just take it further and further until nobody knows what the fuck's going on anymore. I love that aspect. Yeah, though. same. Like, it's, it's like. Have you ever seen Norm Macdonald live? Yeah, of course. Oh, oh man. God. Yeah. He, he does amazing. the same shit. He goes down these fucking crazy rabbit holes. He. And you're yeah. and you're I, like I really kind of like, yeah. Where the fuck are you going, man? Like, yeah. Where are I don't you know. Going? I saw him. I saw him in San Francisco, and he went hard, hard after <laughs> trannies, dude. Like, 
What's this deal? And in trannies? San Francisco, <laughs> yeah, he went fucking hard yeah. after trans. This was like 2016, I think. But that's the problem with that people understand, man. Like one of the fundamentals of linguistics, and you probably know this, is that human communication is receiver based, which is incredibly inconvenient. It doesn't matter what I mean to say. Yeah. It means how you take it. Right. So, like, you'll hear people go, that was a rape bit. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, Doug Stanhope did this great bit. You talk, oh, there's a guy. I'm sorry. You Fucking talk about Stanhope. Doug Stanhope. You talk about our Sid Vicious, our punk rock. Yeah. Truly does not give a fuck. A lot of people say they don't give a fuck, but they still take that corporate money and suck that network dick. Doug Stanhope gives no fucks, dude. He did this bit when McCain was running. He goes, let me see if we got this right. You want to elect Sarah Palin president? She's got two retarded kids. One's got Down syndrome and the other joined the army. Now, that is not, if you knew anything about that joke and you think about it, that's got nothing to do with people who are mentally disabled. What he's saying is it's retarded that someone would join the military at a time when you're guaranteed to get your head blown off. Say what you want about it, either side. People are like, he was talking about retarded people. You're like, no, the fuck he wasn't. That joke had nothing to do with people who were special. <laughs> right. It was his thought, and that's even what he said. He goes, dude, if you want to rip me for being a lefty, that's fine, but it wasn't, you know. Oh, no, I saw him in, uh, I saw him in South Carolina one time, and he told his joke where it's bad. <laughs> I, can't I, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't say it. I can't repeat it on the air, but he wanted to use wow. an F word to, that describes people. He goes, if you bring me, I'll suck a black, giant black man's dick every day for the rest of my life if I could just use that word with impunity. Please let me. And everybody's just standing around like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, just, he didn't skip the word, by the way. He just right. like, was pounding So, like, people, 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 people who really know comedy, he still sells out everywhere. He might just be doing a two or 300-seater, but for the rest of his life with no... Because he's toxic to media. No Live Nation, nobody will touch him. But he's our fucking Sid Vicious, man. He's fucking... He's our punk rock, legit... He's probably making more money because he's getting more of a cut because no fucking big. If, he would have made a lot of money if he'd played ball, but he doesn't. Yeah, man. if he would have taken Manchow on into something corporate, he would yeah. have Yeah, I mean, people don't remember, man. Care. The George Carlin was squeaky clean. People don't remember that. Like before Vietnam, George Carlin had sold out and was making $500,000 a year in Vegas. He wore a suit. He didn't have no beard. He was like, yeah, and this, and, yeah. and then, yeah, and take my wife. And the, the, uh, what's the show? Hippy the, Dippy Weatherman. Yeah, that too. But what was He was the, that character. What was the uh, the late night show back then? Ed, Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan, yeah. yeah he was you that Look dude. at him on the Ed Sullivan show in 56 in that time frame, and, and he's he, just like a fucking nerd. Yeah. Like giant nerd. And getting paid out the ass. Yeah, like $500,000 back in 62. Right. Yeah, he was a comedian. That's huge. That was in his early 30s, already in residency in Vegas. Yep. And, and threw hit. it all away because he believed so much. Against, he was so firmly against the Vietnam War, and he got so tired of sucking that corporate dick, he just couldn't do it. Yeah, but and you he, know, then he did 12 HBO specials, so I think he'd made out all right. Yeah, and, but I don't consider doing an HBO special, somebody airing your hour, I don't consider that sucking a no, corporate dick. I not mean, at all, but he did, he did uh, ads for collect phone call stuff. Remember that? Because he addressed it in his set. And he goes, look, I know I talk a lot about corporate greed up here, and you may have seen me in some commercials recently. You're just going to have to figure that one out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was, but it wasn't just it wasn't just who he embraced. It was the type of material he started doing. 
is he oh, got yeah, he went wild man. he went wild he got into i mean so like you saw that bit online of me doing the word fuck yeah yeah that's nothing new that yeah. all goes back to carlin and originally it goes back to who i think are the greatest it goes back to monty python because if you ever heard monty python on youtube they've got a bit about the uses of the word fuck right? yeah and then bernie mac did it it's almost like that song at the beginning of the meaning of life or whatever it's kind of styled that way it's super interesting yeah but they were way that was stuff that would play 10 years ago maybe yeah but they were way ahead there oh Python's those guys are straight killed. out of compton oh yeah, shit I'm there so is i'm sorry i'm sorry we're live in la the walking trans am and i got camo shirt i got a little carried away and i'm sorry the camp, camo had ohio state fucking t-shirt baggy jeans and nikes out here yes for out here for sure yeah those are super loose for out here what are you gonna do i don't hey, remember what we were talking about before i got a hey man <clears throat> all i gotta say is this is a good this is a good spot to rap we do we gotta rap these two guys just showed up where are we at dave have we been doing this where again are where are we at get the yeah. fuck out we did happen again yeah, yeah. happen again <laughs> happen again dude you've got to be kidding me yeah dude Dude, yeah. I've done morning radio and my, this. Hey, man, this is a blast. A pop. One twenty a pop. There it's is no great. fucking this hammers, not been, man. This has not been two fucking hammers. Yeah, this Jesus is fucking great, Christ, dude. We gotta dude. have you on, like, all the fucking time. I think. God damn, dude. I had a blast, dude. Yeah, Coming to San Antonio, we're doing. Can a, it. Yeah. Can a third we one do happen? A live show in San Antonio that it is. What Fully American Military USA? You. What do they call that? Veteran USA? What, what, what's San Antonio again? Uh, military town. Military, USA. military town USA. Military city. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. did. Uh, I, I've actually done the the. Is it the LOL? Yep. The, yeah. Right there on the Riverwalk. Yeah, I've done that. And uh, when I was at Fort Hood, we used to go to San Antonio because of Lackland. All the girls there. Yeah. Because there weren't no there weren't any women at Fort Hood no. in the infantry back then. There were no women. They weren't allowed. Now there are. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pass. John, thank you for being here tonight. Dude, thank you guys so much, man. Thank you. Fucking Dude. number two. Number two. This is fucking great, man. For Dan Holloway and for John Stites. <laughs>